You're listening to Into the Valley, a Phoenix Suns podcast, a part of the Brightside Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, Into the Valley. I am Ethan Shutt, joined by Philip Russell, and we are coming to you live-ish and very instant reaction-ish following a disappointing game, too. Philip, the Suns drop the game 125 to 114. Um, it is a, it's a tough one. It is not a game that I expected to happen, full transparency. Uh, but it did happen. And that's, and that's something we need to talk about. So our goal for these post-game pods, Philip, uh, we talked about this. We're not going to do our full hour. This is just instant reaction. We're coming to you on the mics immediately after leaving our TVs. Philip, looking at looking at what we just watched together, I know there's a lot of talking points. We're going to kind of go through the story of the game like we did with game one. But what's kind of the first thing on your mind as you're looking at what we just witnessed there in Phoenix? Probably the most obvious thing that's on all Suns fans' mind, minds, and that's that Devin Booker is hurt, and it's a hamstring, which is very scary, a very scary injury. And it's something that he's had already this season. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it was the other leg. I was looking through old tweets and I think it was the other leg. And we know that that was not a, a quick bounce back, a quick recovery. Um, yeah, that's, that's what's on my mind. Uh, we'll try to, we'll try to push off the, uh, potential panic conversation for a little bit later. For those listening who didn't get to watch the game, we want to kind of go through what we saw again, kind of, uh, first thoughts here and kind of break it down, going story of the game, going quarter by quarter. Now, this is two games in a row where we have had four very different quarters to some aspects. Game one, it was like a tale of two halves. We have the defensive clamps of the Suns in the first half putting up just phenomenal numbers. And then a second half that saw the Pelicans creep back in, make it interesting. And then the clutch Suns headed by Chris Paul taking over. Tonight was different, and there were a couple of monumental moments that that kind of dictated how things went. But let's talk first quarter. First quarter, we saw something that uh, I believe you have uh, given a new name to. And Philip, what would that be? So when Devin started going off at the end of the first quarter, Ethan and I were in an Xbox party together just talking as we watch the game and I off the cuff said this is a Booker cooker which is Booker's version of a curry flurry Devin went off at the end of the at the end of the quarter I think he had eight in the last minute or the last minute 10 ish at the end of that quarter and it felt like it felt like the sun should be behind seven nine ish points but they were only down two going into the second because Booker kept them attached. Book did everything in his power to to keep them in it early. The Pelicans came out strong. Uh, Brandon Ingram said it in his postgame presser with Allie LaForce, they came out aggressive from the jump, and it seemed that the Suns were just on their heels a little bit, and Booker just wouldn't let it slip out of range. Uh, we saw something that we don't see a lot of the times, and that was the Suns lost three of the four quarters, including this first. End of the first, the Pelicans were up 30 to 28. They had three quarters scoring 30 or more. Uh, they had a lot of things going for them. 
The Suns looked slow to kind of just react and figure it out. But Booker was on fire early, which kind of set the tone for some of the other seismic shifts later on. Looking to the second quarter, though, Suns are only down two and ended up kind of kind of turning it around. I think it was a lot of the same, but the Pelicans not being able to really match punch for punch. Second quarter, Philip, what, what would we kind of see there other than just a continuation of Devin Booker being an incredible basketball player? Yeah, so Devin, Devin went off in the second quarter again. I think he wound up with eight threes in the first half total. I think he went eight of 10, eight of 11 from three in the first half. I think he was eight of 10 in the first half and then eight of 11 for the game. But the the most impressive part was the Pelicans response with about two and a half minutes left in the quarter, two and a half minutes left in the quarter. Suns have gone Booker three pointer Pelicans turnover offensive rebound on a Booker miss. And then a Booker three pointer off a Deandre Aiden offensive rebound. New Orleans gets a timeout. The place seems like it's ready to explode there in Phoenix. The previous few possessions that have been empty for the Pelicans, the Suns have been forcing the ball into Herb Jones's hands in the corner. So the Pelicans come back out at around 225, 215, and they put CJ McCollum into Herb Jones's spot so that the ball winds up in his hands for an open three instead of Herb Jones. And he knocked it down, cut the lead to five. That was a huge, huge response from the Pelicans. And then again, they stayed attached the rest of the quarter. And even with Booker's ridiculous three-pointer at the end of the half, the Pelicans go into halftime only down five. Yeah, it it felt like that quarter, I would say, that's a quarter we usually see from the Suns that leave them a good 10 plus up. That's one of those ones where they just have it going and they they either put teams away or they do what we see a lot, right? They build that lead up in the second quarter to a pretty large number that doesn't seem quite manageable. And so even when the team has what we see a lot, the opposing team has a third quarter where they kind of claw back a bit. It's still a pretty good cushion. So the fourth quarter can be pretty smooth sailing. But because the Pelicans were able to claw back in that second and keep it as tight as they did, it led to the third quarter where even without the Booker entry, which we're going to talk about, the Pelicans were doing everything they could to take advantage of that closing out of the second quarter and just say, hey, look, we we took their punches, right? We took every big punch they had in the second. This is usually where they have the knockout. We scrapped back. We scrapped back early. We made it manageable. And then the third quarter, they end up outscoring the Suns 34 to 22. But as we mentioned, this is also where Booker leaves with the hamstring injury. Devin Booker for the night, I want to just highlight these numbers because they're kind of nuts. In 25 minutes, the kid was 12 of 19 from the field, 7 of 11 from three, 31 points. 31 points on 19 attempts in 25 minutes. He was having one of those nights. Without too much conjecture and, well, if this happens, then this happens. If Booker stays healthy, 
my gut, even just as a fan, not thinking analytically here, my gut is the Suns pull this one out. Yeah, and I think I think that's reasonable, especially because of the last about four minutes. I think technically it was three minutes, 45 seconds when Booker was out at that point. I think that's when he came out. CP3 was out and DA was out. So there was about a four minute stretch where the Pelicans had a chance to extend their lead without the Suns three best players. You can quibble over whether DA is third or fourth. And in that time, Pelicans went from up three to up seven, which felt like a win for the Suns because they were still attached. But it was it was one of those games where a seven point lead felt like I don't know, maybe in a regular season, a 13-point lead where it felt like because of the Pelicans' good shot making that was on full display, especially in the fourth quarter, it felt like a mountain to climb, even though it was only a three or four possession game. Yeah, it was it was a weird one. And I think I think Booker going out mixed with some other things makes the plus minus for the game kind of hard to read. I don't know if you've checked that out. The Suns had two players in the positive, and that was JaVale at plus two and Campaign at plus six. And I just think this is one of those games because of everything that happened, because the rotations got, I, I don't know. It was like the Pelicans jumped at the opportunity when Book was out. Their rotations changed to some extent. You didn't see the normal like for like across the board, things kind of got thrown to the crapper. And I think that's how you read the plus minus. I don't think you can really take too much out of this. If you rewatch that game, I don't think you come away with JaVale and campaign kept us in it or were the reason it was close at times. So it's, it's a tough one when something like that happens where, where everything game plan wise, rotation wise uh, does change. I do want to make a quick point and I guess ask you a question with Booker going out we saw what I brought up after game one, but not in the circumstances I'd have liked. We saw Landry Shamit minutes. I do want to give you the opportunity to kind of talk about what we saw from Landry. Uh, ended up playing 12 minutes tonight. I thought he did really well. I thought defensively he needed where he, he was where he needed to be and even made a couple big plays on the offensive end when they were needed. Um, what did you think of Landry stepping up for Booker? Uh, and then we'll kind of we'll kind of roll that into what we saw in the fourth as a whole. He was great. Landry was outstanding tonight. His defense on CJ McCollum was tough, hard nose. He was getting over screens when he was off of CJ and he was guarding a guy in the corner. Well, whether it was Alvarado, Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, he came down and he made contact with JV when JV looked like he was getting. Good position on DA. He made a big three. He had a huge dunk in the fourth quarter. Landry Shamit came in and performed well above my expectations. Landry could have played two steps worse than he did tonight. And you would say it was good contribution from Landry. I, again, on the initial watch, I have no complaints about the way Landry Shamit played tonight on any possession. I don't think he made any glaring mistakes at all when he was out there he was outstanding I also think a a non-box score observation I also think he came in with confidence which was great and I was I was a little intrigued to see okay when we have to find that next person off the bench after not playing at all game one what are we going to expect Monty said in his 
I think it was pre-game or maybe it was post-game from last night, how they even thought about bringing Landry in for campaign for some minutes later in the game. Ended up not going with it, but did make the statement to the media, Landry's going to get his minutes. And if we're we're kind of galaxy-braining here the reasoning behind it, I think that's a vote of confidence from your coach that you love to hear when you're that next guy up, right? So he knows his coach has got confidence. This isn't one of those things where he never imagined this moment coming. He looked confident from the rip. And, and we'll talk about that more later in terms of what we expect in a Bookerless playoffs. Uh, but it, but Landry, I just I just wanted to say I was happy for him. Uh, again, the big dunk, hitting a three. You could see the actions they were running. There was a lot for him. A lot of those kind of double screens at the top. He's snaking his way through trying to get some of the open looks that he was getting the last two weeks of the season. Uh, and, and I anticipate that he's going to have a pretty sizable role come game three if that injury ends up going the way we think it will. Uh, but Philip, this game ended up being an 11-point loss for the Suns. This game doesn't look close necessarily, but with about five minutes and two or three seconds, technically not in crunch time yet, Chris Paul goes to the line, hits some free throws to cut it to, I think, six-ish, based on memory, cut it to four. Okay, thank you. Um, Crunch time is here without a Devin Booker. Run us through the crunch time offense from both sides for the last five minutes of that game both teams came out with really good strategies of not missing shots literally for over three minutes. So there was, according to my notes and I'm jotting down notes, trying to remember these possessions as the game's going on. Actually, there was a missed shot, but it led to an offensive rebound. So it wasn't even an empty possession. So from the five minute mark until Chris Paul missed a three-pointer with a minute 46 left neither team had an empty offensive trip down the court and the pelicans first empty trip in crunch time clutch time came at 115 when cj missed a tough mid-range jumper and the pelicans really messed up that was when they fouled cam johnson when the pelicans were uh yeah eight at that point Wanted to cut it back to a two possession game on those, yeah. but I think it went one of two, missed the front, right? Yes. I think he so without, without getting into the weeds, here's what we saw. Unbelievable shot making. The shot making down the stretch of this game, especially from Brandon Ingram, was outstanding. It was outstanding. There were several possessions where I thought Jay played some really good defense. I thought Mikhail had a possession or two where he played really good defense and B.I. made shot after shot after shot to keep the Suns at arm's length. And there are times in the NBA where the other team is so good offensively that it doesn't necessarily matter what you do defensively. They're still going to make the shot. The only thing, the only thing the Suns could have done differently down the stretch of that game was run a double at Brandon Ingram to try to blitz and get the ball out of his hands. The problem with that, tonight, Brandon Ingram had nine assists. He had nine assists, so he was already a willing passer that game. So you blitz him and you go, okay, just do what you've been doing all game, making the right read, making the right decision. 
If it's truly one-on-one, go ahead and take the shot because he's so long and he can get a shot over even really good defenders. Or if the Suns do run a double at him, he showed the he showed the passing chops to get it to the right place. Yeah, and I want to make one quick note too as we're talking about just the insane efficiency during that little stretch. But the Pelicans overall finished the night shooting 56% from three and 55% from the field. So they were just, they were hitting tonight. I mean, plain and simple, you can you can deep dive into what each player was doing. But even if you're looking at guys that aren't Brandon Ingram, who's on fire, everyone contributed. The guys who weren't hitting threes, game one, hit big threes. They only need Alvarado to hit one or two threes to do his job offensively, right? And he hit both of his. Murphy hit a couple. Uh, three of five, it looks like. McCollum, six of ten from three. He didn't have a great shooting night, but he hit his threes. And those continued to just keep either pushing up or clawing back at the right time. And then if you look at the Suns, the numbers are a bit deceiving, if you'll allow me to kind of go through this. From the field, the Suns shot 50% and 37% from three. If you take away Devin Booker, they shot 46% from the field, 25% from three. Devin Booker completely inflated the shooting numbers for the entire team. That is how good of a night he was having. The Suns just got completely outshot from every single person on that Pelican side. Guys that the Suns needed to hit shots and big shots at big times. You mentioned second quarter, right? When they were clawing up, the Suns had two or three pretty open threes that were, I need to find a term for it, but it's just like that last little bit of the fuse before the whole place explodes. Cam had one in the corner. Crowder had one in the corner. It was this, if we can hit this, it seems like full momentum starts taking over. And they couldn't, they couldn't do that final blow. And if you look at the guys for the Suns who need to be hitting threes to kind of offensively stay relevant or at least to continue to contribute in the ways we expect them to, we have Jay Crowder going 0 of 5 from 3. That is two straight nights where he has gone 0 for from 3, I believe. Uh, Cam, or sorry, Chris Paul went 2 of 6, kind of balanced last night. Cam was 1 of 6, right? Like that's. That's some poor shooting from guys who we need to be hitting the shots that are drawn up for them in the sense of the plays, right? Like we've been talking uh, a lot as I've kind of been putting myself back through uh, Spain pick and roll 101. There are guys who are supposed to be in certain areas who have a role to play. And a Jay Crowder, a Cam Johnson, a whoever, those dudes are the ones who say, okay, if option one, two, or three aren't there, it should be that open corner three for you. And they missed a lot. And I'm going to need to go back and look at our open three percentage, open corner threes, seeing what those are. They can't be good. Uh, just from from what I'm remembering pretty quick after. But again, the fourth quarter happened. This game happened. It's over. Uh, can only dwell so much. But the question that I want to ask is, as a fan, is it time to panic? Now, this is not the clickbait nonsense of, Pelicans in five, right? This is a, we dropped a game at home. Devin Booker is out with a hamstring injury. We do not know a timetable for the return. And one thing that I feel like doesn't get discussed enough, but I am, the more I watch, the more I think it is, the head coach of the other team is also the coach that knows the most about the Phoenix Suns out of anyone in the entire league. 
the more I look back at the play-in tournament, part of me says I'd rather play a team with more talent who doesn't know our entire playbook and is also set in coaching meetings on how to counter every single set we have, right? Like Willie Green is that guy that was sitting with Monty going over this stuff last season and game planning through an entire NBA Finals run on when they throw this, what do we do? So they know about as much as anyone about what the Suns are trying to do and what the end goal is of these plays. Where are you at as we go into game three? Because I am more nervous than I would like to be. And I think the Booker injury is the majority of it. Uh, but I don't I don't like dropping a game at home in a 1-8 matchup. Three expectations that I have that are that's keeping a little bit of the panic at bay. Number one, you would expect the sun shooting to come around. Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson campaign combined for one for 13 for you math nerds out there. That's statistically not good. Thank you. You'd, no problem. You'd expect that to be better. Simultaneously, you would also expect the Pelicans to cool off at least a little bit, at least a little bit. I hope per- particularly in the half court with how well the Suns were playing half court defense. Brandon Ingram, 62% from the field tonight. CJ, not great from the field, but 6 of 10 from 3. So from inside the arc, he was bad tonight, but he was on fire from the outside. The Suns in the fourth, or the Pelicans, excuse me, outscored the Suns in the fourth quarter by 9, which is essentially the margin. And then the Pelicans shot 68% from the field in the second half. 68%. Some of that is on the Suns because they had too many leakouts in the second half, but a lot of that is really good shot making from the Pelicans. So you'd expect the Suns shooting to come around. You'd expect the Pelicans to cool off a bit, and then you'd expect the Suns' transition defense to be significantly better. Significantly better. I feel like if Monty was a college coach in Game Three, if there was one leakout like we saw over and over again tonight. Somebody's getting pulled. It's right away. It's right away. So because of all of those, is it time to panic? Not necessarily, because I even think at the beginning of the fourth quarter, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, the sun showed that even without Devin Booker, they are still several steps better than the Pelicans. I hope you're right. I mean, I'm in, I know I'm in full fan mode right now. And sometimes it, it takes a while for me to uh, get out of that. On paper and the entire season, let's be real here. The Suns proved all year long that they can win games, even when they are missing pieces. It just stings that little bit extra when Devin Booker was just on a tear. And also, again, this is reading the tea leaves. This is probably going a little too much. Looking at his reaction on the bench, again, we're we're officially on the reading facial expressions on the bench level of analysis here. It did not look like a guy who was upset that he couldn't come back in this game because he was hot. It looked like a guy who had been told some very bad news in the old medical tent. Am I wrong? Like he looked perturbed and I don't like that. That worries me very, very much. 
But again, again, so now talking to you, my dear friend, Ethan. I need to hear it. Remember the first few minutes of the fourth quarter where the Suns looked like even without, even without D-Book. It was what, like could, a 7-0 run in like a, a minute 15, something like that, Snap your fingers, right? it was 5-0, and I think it was 7-2, 10-3, something like that. And it just looked like the Suns could still run a good chunk of what they've done. I wonder if, at least for this series, assuming Booker misses at least a couple games, I wonder if the Suns wind up missing his defensive prowess more than his offense. Because in the third quarter, campaign was in there but he's in there next to Landry. So just the height goes down. And when campaign's going to be in that the game, and this might be for the rest of the series, Brandon Ingram's I was gonna say, Brandon Ingram was getting on he's him gonna every hunt. single time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's no shot against campaign. That's just nature's way. BI yes. is significantly yep. taller than campaign. So no matter what campaign does, he can make life hard for Brandon Ingram. BI is going to get that shout out. Yeah. No, I I agree. I, some credit to the Pelicans, though, and Willie Green. Uh, we were watching. He was pretty quick with not just running good sets, but even switching up good sets. We were talking. There was there was at least one play, second or third quarter. I know your notes are way better than mine, where they ran a play that I think got Murphy a wide-open corner three. They come out a few minutes later, run the same play, but in different starting position, and C.J. McCollum plays the Murphy role. He gets his open corner three. Uh, speaking of which, McCollum, I need to go back and, and check this when they have the uh, timestamp shots. I feel like McCollum's threes were all pretty open. I don't, I can't remember him hitting too many contested threes, let alone contested shots. I think when he was contested, it was inside the three and he was missing them. B.I. obviously hit some big contested shots, but they were getting their guys open the way they wanted to a lot of the time. And then again, the, the fast break defense for the Suns, I don't remember ever, and maybe I'm missing one, but in the 82 games this year, I don't remember a game where they were just having some guy slip out and beat them repeatedly. But we saw it twice in a two-minute span, and I just, that's when I was getting a, 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 a little bit frustrated because that's just, you can't have that when you're trying to either claw back in a game late in the fourth or trying to to get to a spot where you can make that little run, you can't give free buckets. So I think Monty and the staff are going to have uh, a good bit to to watch and look at and figure out. But in terms of what comes next, like I said, we are leaving Phoenix and going to New Orleans. The Suns will play Friday at 8.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. And Philip. With Booker being out, I think we're going to have a lot of new stuff to look at, probably some new questions that we're stuck asking ourselves as we sit down to talk after that game. But going into game three, if you could think of of one key, one thing that they need to figure out, because we talked after game one, the rebounding issue was huge. Rebounding was kind of the hot topic, not just with us. I feel like anyone around the league who wanted to discuss stuff brought that up. And in terms of the rebounding, the Suns kind of did what they needed to. They got out rebounded 32 to 20, sorry, bad math there, 43-33, which I know it's 10, but when you look at the Pelicans and the size that they put on the court, that's going to make sense. But on the offensive glass, they gave up 11 and got eight 
Like they, they seemed to have done a better job of preventing the second chance opportunities. After what we just watched going into game three, what do you think is that one key that something's got to, something's got to change for a better outcome? Don't let it get to clutch time. Got to put, put your foot on their neck before clutch time becomes an issue because one of the strengths of the Pelicans is having two guys who when possessions break down or late in the game, they have the ability to make incredibly difficult shots. It's not when Brandon Ingram makes a contested mid range jumper, it's not necessarily super surprising. Instead you go, you played good defense, but he's an elite offensive talent at times. So don't let it get to a spot in the game where you are relying on Brandon Ingram to miss. Instead, try to play normal Phoenix Suns basketball, where at some point in the second half, at some point at the end of the first half, you extend that lead and then they don't get close. Because without without Booker, which we're not, obviously we're not reporting anything, we don't know for sure. I'm assuming Booker's at least out for game three. Don't let it go into the time of the game where it's our playmaker versus their playmaker. Yeah, and the Suns are not getting lucky either, it seems. Game three and four, it's only a one-day break. I know in some series, they're getting the little two-day in between, uh, even if it's not a travel day. We saw that with some teams between game one and two. Not happening. The Suns are playing Friday and Sunday, uh, both 8.30 Central tip-offs. But yeah, we've got... We got some stuff to watch. Uh, my mood is a, a lot different after game two than it was in game one. And and how a big part of that, I think, is the Booker injury. If that doesn't happen and we lose this game, I'm not feeling as pessimistic or just kind of my outlook's not so bleak. But it's part of it, right? We've we heard and have seen injuries play a role in other series already in the in the NBA playoffs. We saw it plenty last season as well. Just part of it. Well, we will bring this to a close. We're hitting the 30-minute mark here, but we wanted to at least take the time to give you guys kind of our instant reaction. Philip, as we bring this one to a close and start game planning for Game 3, anything you want to leave the listeners with? Trust Monty. Mm. I, I do love him. It's my coach of the year right there, in case anyone had forgotten how the voting went out. But no. Um, well, we want to thank you guys for listening. I know a lot of people are probably hate listening more than love listening after a game two uh, rather than a game one, but we still appreciate you being here. We appreciate the opportunity to talk Suns basketball with you guys. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at the Valley PHX. And if you're listening on audio, that is thanks to the Brightside Podcast Network. You can find our stuff through them anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, and then for our YouTube audience, we're glad to be back. Nice being able to wave at you here. Hopefully, if you are finding us on YouTube, since this is a newer thing for us, you'll you'll see it, you'll like it, and you'll share it with your friends. Even a retweet on Twitter means the world to us. But that said, we look forward to talking to you guys after Game 3. For Philip. I am Ethan. This is Into the Valley, Phoenix Suns Podcast. We out. <laughs>